Welcome to episode number 65 of Just Go Grind. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and normally I'm interviewing a variety of entrepreneurs in all different industries, but today is a special episode as this is the one-year anniversary of launching the Just Go Grind podcast, so I will be sharing a lot of different things with you in this episode, including the results of my first year of podcasting, why I do indeed podcast, how I got started with podcasting. It took a lot of years, but I finally did, the logistics behind actually putting out a podcast episode every week. It used to be twice a week. Now it's down to once a week again and all different software, how I find guests and prepare for interviews and conduct interviews and when I podcast and where I podcast, how I promote the show, as well as lessons I've learned and challenges I've gone through with this whole podcasting thing. And then answering also a couple of questions that people had for me about podcasting. So today is a special episode, excited to do my first solo episode for the podcast, the very first one. It is indeed a bit strange without me asking questions of everyone else, but hopefully this is also enjoyable for you. Let's just dig into it then. So getting to the results of one year of podcasting, I put out 64 episodes, which I guess is way more than I anticipated. I was kind of thinking once a week, so it'd be 52, then I started adding twice a week so I could get more downloads and have more people find the show. And with those 64 episodes, I had 6,867 downloads. So just shy of 7,000 downloads in this last year. And honestly, more than half of them are in the last three months, which just kind of goes to show the growth of the show. So the show continues to grow every month. The average downloads per, per episode go up every single month, which is It's a a long-term play in podcasting, and so I knew that was going to be the case, and I've kind of only focused on growing the podcast audience. To that point, I have not monetized directly, no sponsors, nothing of that nature with the Just Go Grind podcast, something I'll look to do in the future, but to be honest, the numbers aren't really there yet. And in terms of more results, I mean, I've been interviewed, I've interviewed VCs and startup founders that have multi-million dollar businesses and lifestyle business owners and coaches, consultants, marketers, people in HR, people who've done massive conferences with thousands of people. And just to be able to meet all those people has been amazing. Just one of the results of the podcast as well. So not only have I made friends, even friends here in Los Angeles that came on the podcast, uh, also just business connections and just meeting amazing people, even when I went to like the Startup Grind Conference, for instance, one of the guests I had on the show, Eric Huberman, was there, saw him in the hallway somewhere. We talked for like 15 or 20 minutes, and that was all made possible because of the podcast. So the results have been pretty good for a first year. I never really know what to expect. You start something, and you hope it, it grows so fast, and you, you want it to do so well, but you really have no idea what's going to happen with, with anything. And same goes for this podcast. I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I started it, and I was like, I'm going to go for it, and those have been the results. Now moving on to why I podcast in the first place. So I was already having these like in-depth conversations with people. I'd have coffee chats or phone chats, whatever it may be, with people anyways. And I loved having those chats. I'm just curious about a lot of things in the world, especially about people and and how they do what they do and why they do what they do and you know how they make decisions around you know growing a company or choosing which company to build and I was having some of those conversations before I ever started podcasting and so I wanted to have my own podcast I wanted to do a show and record these interviews something that 
I thought would be helpful for other people. And coming from a background of personal training and growing my company, Just Go Fitness, where I was personal training in person and online, helping people obviously get healthy and fit, I've always wanted to help people. And so from the Just Go Grind podcast, it was more of a business and career focus. So I was able to help people with business, something that I absolutely love and am obsessed with and think about all the time and have read so many business books and I continue to learn in that area. And so it made sense for me to then start a podcast on that. And initially it did kind of start more as different careers and then shifted towards entrepreneurship and helping people launch and grow businesses by sharing the stories of different entrepreneurs and sharing why they do what they do and what are some of those tactics and strategies they use that really help them grow. And another reason why I I do podcasts in the first place, it is a medium I love and I think it's growing fast. You look at the revenue numbers of the industry uh, across the across the board and they're growing I think they're doubling every year or like something like crazy like that and it just continues to grow as as people like podcasts and learn about what podcasts are and there's so many different ones there's so many good ones out there which obviously means there's competition but I would rather be in on the competition and be in on it than than watching from the sidelines I'd rather be in the game playing and so it's another reason why I really wanted to just get this podcast going. And one thing that always stuck with me in terms of starting any project, something Tim Ferriss, the author entrepreneur, has mentioned before, if you can do something that you know has value, even if it quote unquote fails, or you can do something that will accomplish multiple things at once, do it. So for me, with podcasting and kind of why I started podcasting, even if the podcast never would make a dollar or didn't get you know, millions of downloads, to me, the podcast was still gonna be valuable as a way to connect with more people, to have these in-depth conversations with people that I wouldn't necessarily be able to have conversations with or it would be just a different scenario in terms of trying to have those conversations with them. And so podcasting made a ton of sense and I could meet these people and have these conversations and get value from it, even if it didn't make millions of dollars or, you know, have millions of downloads and anything of that nature, it would still be valuable, even if it quote unquote fails. And so from that perspective, in terms of why I podcast, it made sense. I mean, it just, it just made perfect sense to start a podcast. And, you know, there's always naysayers and negativity out there and people say things like, oh, you can't, it's too crowded and oh, another business podcast or whatever. But I, it's something I wanted to do. I've wanted to do a podcast since 2013. And finally, in June of 2018, I launched my podcast. So years and years in the making to finally get this show going. And it's something where I just felt like I couldn't pass that up. So that was why I actually started podcasting in the first place. But in terms of how I actually got the first episode out, it was kind of a disaster. So I interviewed my best friend, Zach, and that was the plan, have him be the first episode, kind of a low barrier to entry. You're already familiar with the person, successful entrepreneur. Yeah, it was perfect. No big deal. Did the interview, two-hour interview, and it just was it went so fast so two hours actually went by so quick and then literally trying to transfer the files over like so I could save it on a different computer it got like corrupted and I couldn't open it again and so I I literally had the first episode ever that was supposed to launch deleted my very first episode deleted and that was the start 
of the Just Go Grind podcast. Like that was what happened. And from there, it was like, okay, well, this is not the best of starts. It can only go up from here. And so that's where it kind of began. And then eventually I got my actual first person, which was just a connection through LinkedIn. So I got into the MBA program at USC, was reaching out to different alumni. And one of them I just connected with, Eddie Barrows, the first episode. And he agreed to come on the show, talk about his experience and MBA and Caesar's, Caesar's Palace, uh, Caesar's Entertainment, I should say. And we kind of just went from there. My whole thought process with getting started was just get a guest and get going. <laughs> like, there's no other way about it. And I ended up finding another guest then through Shaper, S-H-A-P-R. And I'm going to get into how I find guests in a little bit later in the show. But that's how I got another guest for the show. And then also interviewed uh, my boss, my cousin at Clark Toys founder of Clark Toys, multi-million dollar business. And so you just made do with what I had to begin with. And that was how I ended up actually like legitimately starting the podcast. With that being said, there are a lot of different logistics and things to think about with starting a podcast. So I want to go into a few of those and give you all the details on how I actually get an episode out, how I record it, all those things, I think it's valuable for anyone starting a podcast or just to see the process that kind of goes into this whole podcasting thing, which can seem very foreign to everyone. So to get started with, I use a Blue Yeti microphone, and this has a USB, it's a USB microphone that hooks directly into my computer. The reason being for me to use this is that it just makes it so easy to podcast. I literally just hook it up, plug that into the computer. I'm good to go. And it also has a few different modes, uh, a few different settings. So I can either record like myself, like I'm doing right now, where it's focused on me, or I put it in between me and a guest if I'm doing in-person interviews. So it's great. I use the Blue Yeti for every single episode of this podcast, and it has been tremendous. I highly suggest it. In terms of actually hosting the podcast, so the files have to be hosted by someone. I use Libsyn. It's a fee, I think it's maybe like 15 or $20, depending on how much you actually want to pay for it. But I've used Libsyn, and the feed from them goes directly to every single other podcast platform. And so it's just the easiest one to use. They host thousands and thousands of shows, and it's the best one I found to use. And then in terms of actually editing the podcast, so it goes it's pretty simple to do. I use audacity, which is free and there's all different types of podcast editing software out there. Audacity is just the easiest one to use. And then in terms of the website, I have a website for the podcast as well. Just, just go grind.com and then slash podcast would be the main page, but I host that with Bluehost and then use WordPress to actually have the content management system. And that's where all my websites have been hosted so far. So it just makes it really easy. And then in terms of like scheduling guests, I actually use Calendly, which saves a ton of time. It's just the easiest software available. I think I pay for the pro version to schedule more. It's maybe $8 a month. And then SoundCloud, I actually also pay for pro so I can get different stats and stuff on there. And then a lot of my interviews are remote. And so they're just me and a guest that's somewhere not in LA, or even if they are in LA, sometimes it's more convenient to just do a remote interview over the internet. I use uh, Zencaster for that. And again, this is, I think, a paid version I'm using depending on how much, how many episodes you actually download, I should say, record each and every month. And so Zencaster is another one. The last kind of software bit 
I use is ConvertKit, and that's just to gather emails on my website, people interested in the podcast, interested in business lessons or whatever it may be. I'm also paying a monthly fee for ConvertKit. And so that's kind of the main software I'm using for everything for getting the podcast going. Obviously, you don't have to use all of that. At the minimum, you need somewhere to host your podcast, whether it be Libsyn or even hosting in SoundCloud. Uh, there's a few other ones like Anchor, for example, and then editing the podcast as well. Audacity, like I said, is just easy, but there's also different options there as well. Another logistic that came, I think, after episode 32 was finally getting a virtual assistant. And so I have a virtual assistant to help with the editing of the audio, writing the show notes, creating like the quote images you probably see on Instagram, and also like the regular images, the audiogram, and also a video for YouTube for every episode. Even though it's just audio, having a presence on YouTube as well, it gives you another outlet, another opportunity for reach. And so I also have my assistant create the episode for YouTube and it's all through Dropbox and everything's uploaded and so it's ready to go the day it's supposed to come out. It's actually ready the day before and that's been crazy helpful. I decided to do that to save more time and that allowed me to also just get out more episodes. So once I did get the assistant, I actually put out two episodes a week. Again, it's kind of dropped down to one for different reasons, but it is helpful to have that assistant for that reason. You can always ask me if you have questions on hiring a virtual assistant, how that works. Glad to go into more detail. In terms of scheduling guests and finding guests, I use Calendly to actually schedule guests, but there, you can get guests for your show in all different ways. I've got them through guest lectures at USC. So if someone comes in this, into class and ask them afterwards, if they're an entrepreneur or someone I find interesting, ask them to be on the show after that. Conferences, I went to Startup Grind and actually landed one of my bigger guests, Rand Fishkin, marketer, started a company, Moz. I knew what they were going to kind of walk through in this place after his, his presentation. And there was a group of people around there and just straight up asked him there. I was just like, hey, would you want to be in the podcast? He said, sure. Uh, had more context before that, asked him a different question, kind of build up to that point. But conferences can be a great way to find different people for your show as well. It just It's kind of a perfect fit as as long as it's like an industry-related conference, it makes a lot of sense. There has been some cold emails and cold LinkedIn requests for getting more guests. I think that's a good way to do it as well, especially if you just keep emailing or find more people. And so I did that for Austin Belsack, who's in the podcast, and then that also with a person who's going to be on the show soon. She hasn't actually been interviewed yet, but the Side Hustle Pro podcast, the host of that will be on the show as well. And that was just, again, through a, a cold contact, which is one way you know to have it. One thing that people don't always do, but I think they should, is get referrals. So every single guest you have on the show, ask them if they know other people that could be on your show as well. And so early on, Christina Calabrese was incredibly helpful. She got me connected with uh, Dreamers and Doers group, and so many ladies from there came on the show, which was amazing. So thankful for that. But other people have referred me as well, and it, it's an easier way to get people on the show. But even with referrals, make sure you're also reaching out to people you really want to have on the show. I think that's incredibly important um, as well. And then even just thinking about friends and family that may be entrepreneurs or whatever your actual niche is. I've had a few, I guess two family members on so far and they're successful entrepreneurs with multi-million dollar businesses. It just makes a lot of sense. Like why not have them on? And you know, with the referrals and everything with that, especially as you get more and more influential people, if they refer people to you, 
they could be really solid guests. I know that Austin Belsack referred me to Arthur Meester, whose company uh, Career Karma went through Y Combinator, and then even looking at like Eric Huberman, who's the founder of Hawk Media, he referred me Justin Resvani, who started the Amplify, this like influencer marketing company that sold not long, I think it's like two years or less than two years after it started. So always asking for referrals is another way to find guests. There's so many people out there to talk to. You just have to start reaching out and it's not that difficult to do. In terms of guest prep, so once I actually have these guests scheduled, there's always a prep document I send to guests before the interview. And that is research I do looking at their LinkedIn bio, bio on the website, interviews they've already done, whether they've done podcast interviews already, or even looking at YouTube interviews they've done, or just a Google search of their name and trying to figure out what could be some good questions to ask them. What are some things they maybe haven't been asked that you're curious about? Uh, what are some good stories you may find from them? There's so many different things uh, you kind of put into that, but trying to find interesting things about them without like knowing everything about them that you could ask that you think your audience would benefit from. And that does take some time. I've put in probably anywhere from hour, two hours, up to like five hours for a guest to prepare for the interview, but it's worth the time because they actually do, they notice that. And I've had a couple guests mention how prepared I was for the show and I really appreciate that for their interviews and it just makes you look better and it's easier to get referrals if they really enjoy the process and you have questions ready to go and you also flow with the conversation and multiple people have told me that like it's just the conversation flowed so easily and kind of like it seems so natural and yeah part of it is maybe just like being able to talk to people and having that confidence, but also just being so well prepared that you know what to ask next. You have questions ready to go that are in your mind, at least not necessarily staring at a sheet, but you have it ready to go from there. Looking at the, the actual interview part of it. So there's like getting them set up and prepping him. There's all this pre stuff before you actually start the interview. I do most of the interviews with Zencaster, this software, because most of my interviews are remote, uh, either from literally my room in my apartment or I find another common space in the apartment to do the interviews. And that seems to be the easiest way to do it. I've also done in-person interviews at people's offices, like Eric Huberman at, at Hawk Media. I went there. Uh, same with Sasha Strauss of Innovation Protocol. These episodes coming up soon, going to their offices, but especially with how busy I am and things going on. Remote interviews are great. And again, I use Zencaster for that. Same mic each time, this Blue Yeti mic. And what I've done and learned over time is to schedule just on certain days. So now I only have Tuesdays and Thursdays are devoted to interviews. I might drop that down to just one day a week devoted to interviews because it can be taxing. I don't want to always have my day broken up by these interviews or have that on my mind because it does kind of tank all of your mental space. And so the interviews are mostly done at home remotely with Zencaster. It's just the easiest way. And I had a question from Zach, actually, he was on the podcast in episode number eight, and he was curious about like literally Zencaster, like, how does this work? And so I send him a link with Zencaster. They go on, we both are in there. And he was wondering, like, you know, what do you, do you talk first? Do you not talk first? And how I handle it is I will typically get on there, say hello, like, how's your day? We'll talk for a few minutes and I'll just mention some things about Zencaster, logistics behind it, like how it actually works, you know, see if they've actually used it before, uh, if they've interviewed on there before previously. I'll ask them if they have any questions and I'll explain to them, yeah, I do a intro and I'll do an outro 
besides this interview. And so I'm not like gonna do it right now. I'm just gonna say your name and start with that. And so it just gives kind of like setting expectations and letting them know that we can edit anything out if they want. Like if there's any questions they're not sure of, just wait and like you don't have to respond right away. I can edit the the sound out in between and just making sure they're, they know how this interview is going to go, how it's just going to be more of a conversation. It's not like going to be, oh, question to question to question. And they should know that from the prep document and email I send them beforehand as well. But I also just kind of like to remind them that, hey, this is just going to be a conversation. No pressure, no big deal. Don't worry about messing up. We'll edit anything out. And it just helps flow a lot better. One of the other things in terms of the actual interview itself always try to start with an easier question. So I just like to start with kind of an easy question to warm them up. So it'd be like starting off with like, oh, you know, how'd you get into this in the first place? Or, you know, why why did you get into entrepreneurship? Have you always been an entrepreneur? Just some entrepreneur, something like easy to get them going. Because like sometimes they are actually nervous. They haven't done interviews before. They don't know how this works. I like to make sure they're comfortable just getting started with. And then just... In terms of promoting the show, so after the episode's done, send it over, have my virtual assistant handle the editing and everything. But once the episode is actually ready, that's kind of through the basic channels you expect, social media, email list. I do answer some questions on Quora to get some promotion for that as well. Talk to people in person about the show, even searching on Twitter for like podcast recommendations and people are always asking and you can just like mention some shows and throw your show in there and just kind of spike up those conversations. Those are very organic ways. And honestly, the best way to really promote the show is having guests on the show that have an audience and then just asking them to share it and sending them images, quote images, videos, so that they have assets to share with their audience. Like that's one of the biggest things I didn't do early on. Now I have that, so they'll share it with their actual audience and with the images that I am providing to them. I get way more downloads on an episode that has the actual person being interviewed that share it. And when they have bigger audiences, like for instance, Zach has a big audience with his piano courses. Um, that is the most downloaded episode by far because he has a big audience and he shared it with them. So be sure to give them the right assets, the things they can use to actually promote the show. And then in the future, promoting the show, I will also be try, uh, featured on more podcasts. Something I haven't done at all yet, but something I know will lead to growth in the show. Because if you think about it, the people who are listening to podcasts, someone else's podcast, they already listen to shows. They're much more likely to actually listen to your show as well. And so it just makes a lot of sense. Of course, with podcasting, there's so many different challenges. A lot of it can be with scheduling guests and having guests cancel. That's just going to happen, and I accept that's going to happen. Calendly does make it a lot easier because they just they give you the ability to rec- – easily schedule someone and then you don't have to really worry about it. You just have put your availability in there and they know right away that, Oh, here we go. Like this is all it is. Like you just have to literally pick a time. It's super easy to do. And so I always use Calendly to like schedule guests, but it can be challenging, especially like these people are super busy. And so they may have things kind of last minute. And because of that, I know that they have to be flexible. And so that's something I always try to keep in mind as well. The other thing is audio issues. So I, I did mention early on that, I had like the first episode actually got deleted and that was unfortunate, (laughs) but that's probably going to happen. I mean, you try not to, but obviously that's something that you can't control. And other thing is audio issues with like 
like Zencaster itself for the most part's good, but sometimes the audio has dropped out or even with audacity, the audio kind of just drops out and it's not the greatest thing, but it's something that's going to happen. So I kind of just accept it. Um, other than that, just promoting the episode while you're traveling or while you're gone, you could hire someone to do that. I know it's just my, my podcast just takes a dip during those times, which it's not the greatest, but it's still, as long as I'm putting out the episode every week, I feel good about it. So that's something I've always tried, tried to do. And so those are some of the bigger challenges. There's always a challenge you could say in getting guests on the show and all that sort of thing. But really with referrals and with LinkedIn, you can find guests pretty easily. So the challenges are really just putting out the episode every week and just getting to it and making sure you actually do it. Besides that, I think it's relatively easy. It's just a matter of growing the show is difficult because you have to be reaching out to people to try to get new guests, but it's something that's totally doable. And six months into the podcast, I wrote an article about like six lessons learned with like six months of podcasting. And in there is a few different lessons. One of them just was to just start. Like literally, I wish I would have started sooner. Another being like, don't be afraid to ask. You always can just ask people, ask for referrals, ask them to be on the show. Another was like, don't expect perfection. You'll fumble your words. You may ask a stupid question. Like mistakes are going to happen. You kind of can't avoid that. Another one was just having backups. So when I do in-person interviews, it's not just the actual Blue Yeti mic. It's also I use my phone as a backup because I did it once and the episode got deleted. And so from there on, every in-person interview always has a backup, which is just my phone. Another one lesson was getting referrals. So I mentioned that a couple times already. It's so easy to just ask your guests right after the show or follow up with an email to give you referrals if they know anyone else. And they're bound to know someone. Everyone has a network of people. It is very helpful. The next lesson was to do your homework. I mentioned the prep I do and the guests really appreciate this. And it just gives you better questions. And it also makes you more comfortable and confident when you've done your homework on the guests, you know what you want to ask, you have ideas, and you also can be flexible. If, if something comes up that you maybe you didn't know about, it's fine because you've done your homework and you know how to handle the situation. So I think that's also important. And the last lesson from that was about playing the long game because podcasting is an investment. It's going to realistically take years. I was just in a, a Facebook group reading through different messages about how long people have been podcasting and some of them have been podcasting for like 15 years or like 13 years, which is insane to me, but it does, it just takes time. Even Eric Sue, who is, he's a host of the Growth Everywhere podcast and marketing school with Neil Patel. He said he averaged nine downloads per day in the first year of the Growth Every year, Everywhere podcast and like 40, I think, downloads per day the second year. And so it now he's at thousands and thousands of downloads. So it does kind of just take, it takes a fair amount of time to to grow a show. You kind of have to understand that initially. Now, throughout all these different interviews with different business people, there's also been like a few different business lessons and I could go through like tons of them. One of the first ones though, is just to test your idea in some capacity. You, you know, you might fail at some point. There's a likelihood that you'll fail at something, but if you can just keep testing different things out, it gives you an idea of if your business will succeed or not. And even with different people I've had on the show, a lot of them would test their idea while they're working full time or they're test, test their idea, um, 
maybe just like part of the way in terms of like not investing all their money in it necessarily, but a test to see, okay, could you get customers? Could this work? And even like doing a consulting role before kind of going full-time into their whole thing, doing some consulting on the side, and then turning that into a full-time gig. Testing your idea seems to be such a, a good thing in business, and, and it just makes a lot of sense. Another one of the things is really about finding your people or finding like your niche group. Like I mentioned, I interviewed Rand Fishkin, like marketer, you know, extraordinaire, and he mentioned that you have to know where people are searching online, what websites they visit, you know, what do they read to really understand them. And that's just a couple questions, but there's way more questions besides that. You're just trying to figure out where your target audience is, especially if you're an entrepreneur, trying to find, you know, trying to reach a customer, you have to know where they spend their time in order to market to them. And then interviewing John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire, this massive seven-figure business now, and he mentioned like he if he was starting all over again, he would literally focus on niching down, niching down as much as possible, and that was how he would start. He would just find a niche, get small, and from there you can always expand, but it's really difficult to try to reach everyone at once, which I thought was a great, a great lesson to be learned. Another one was from Andy Belinsky. He's the, he's the founder, co-founder, I should say, of Lensable, VC-backed startup. It's just absolutely killing it. And he mentioned you, you just need the passion and desire to make something great in order to actually start a business. If you don't have that passion and desire to make the business great, you just shouldn't start in the first place. And I thought it was, I thought it was definitely needed. And it, just the whole thing about following your passion, which I think can be overblown, but to not have any passion or desire when you start your business, it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And next would be starting small. So Khalid Al-Masri, who started a fitness business conference, I think he started with like 20 to 50 people, and now he's hoping to host, I think it's like 500 coming up soon. So starting small is another just way to go in, in business. If you can, just start somewhere. It makes it easier to get started, start faster, and then also ultimately you can grow from there. And that was the lesson he had mentioned and I think still stuck with me to this day. And next from Candice Liu, she's the co-founder of On-Prem Solutions and they company now with like 200 employees. And one of the biggest lessons from her I picked up was asking why. And she always says, you know, to understand a problem, you have to ask why, to get to the why behind what you're doing before you can really get to that overall strategy with it. And I thought that was a very important lesson to be learned of asking yourself why repeatedly in business to make sure you're doing the right things, working on the the right things, and you're really just getting down to the core of everything that is happening in your business. And another lesson that came up repeatedly, I'd say, is prioritizing people. So I know Shiv Gaglani, uh, he's the founder of Osmosis, this medical education company, which I think they have like a million subscribers on YouTube. It's just absolutely crushing it. And, you know, he said, it just, he stressed the importance of really focusing on people, putting them first. What do they need? What do your employees need? What do your customers need? And always thinking about others. And that's just a great way to actually grow your business and make sure you're doing what it's supposed to do, which is helping other people. And one of the final lessons I could easily list out tons from everyone, every single person I've had on the show, so many insights from each one, but one of the last ones that kind of stuck with me over time was to just not listen to the negativity and to follow your own idea. And that was from Travis Pine in episode three. He's the managing partner at Clark Toys, this multi-million dollar e-commerce company. I used to work there for two and a half years and 
I thought it was so important to to the point he made of not listening to the negativity of everyone else and just following your own idea. Of course, you want to be critical with the feedback people have and you understand that some of it may actually be really good and really relevant for you. But at the same time, you can't just listen to negativity and never get started and just kind of try to piggyback on other people. If you have an idea, you should go after that point blank. And that's something I really appreciated Travis saying and has really stuck with me as I've gone through this last year of podcasting and you know he's one of the early episodes and so you just kind of keep on going next just a couple different things on what I would do differently with podcasting and with everything else I'm working on I think early on I think I would have focused a little bit more on getting myself as a guest on other shows like I said I haven't done that yet but it does seem like the perfect way to grow an audience and the perfect way to kind of get your name out there your brand out there that's something I will be doing soon very soon actually is being a guest on other shows another one was to find more guests with audiences and do more outreach so I did a lot of referrals and got I mean gotten some pretty impressive guests I think on the show in the last year I think what I wanted what I'll do differently moving forward is to get more guests with bigger audiences and making sure they will actually share it with their audience. I think that would help the show grow a bit more uh, and just grow quickly and more quickly, I should say. Next, just actively promoting it more through USC. So I haven't leveraged as much as I think I could have. And there's a big community of USC alumni and, and people, USC business owners, USC entrepreneurs. And I think they would benefit from the podcast. I think they would enjoy it. And it's an, kind of an untapped market that I think, I think I will have to tap into kind of in the future. Something I would have done differently maybe early on is to try to tap into that a bit earlier. And kind of one of the next things like differently that I've recently decided is to go one day a week of podcast interviews. And that's just in terms of, I mentioned the Tuesday, Thursday thing. I currently do interviews on Tuesday, Thursday. It used to just be kind of Monday through Friday, different times people would jump on my schedule. Now moving forward and what I do differently is just one day a week of interviews, stack them, you know, batch all the interviews. I'm kind of always in interview mode anyways, and then just go from there with the one day. And I think that's something I would have would have liked to change uh, moving forward. It's something I, do, I will change actually as I kind of move forward with this. And lastly, there was a couple questions. I kind of mentioned Zach's question already with the software and you know what you need to start up. Uh, my friend Derek as well, he has a podcast called Get Starked. Uh, check it out as well. He mentioned, how do you stay motivated to continue producing content consistently? And for me, it's just looking back to where I'm trying to get to and I want to grow and be a full-time entrepreneur after the MBA program. And putting out content serves a few purposes. It helps grow the audience. It helps people, more people find the show. And if it helps more people find the show, that means more people are benefiting from the show. And ultimately that is, even if it's not making me mind directly right now, it is helping people out. And that's something I've always wanted to do. And I've had the feedback from people of how beneficial it has been. And so that's something where staying motivated to produce content. It's just like, there's no other alternative. If, it, if I'm not, it's just sitting back and not having growth. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And so that's something where I continue to kind of put out more and more and more. And lastly, Zach had, a, I think, a couple other questions, but one of the ones, I kind of went through like the whole process of the podcast, and 
do I intro like the talks, whatever to the guests? And that was something I mentioned, like I do tell them a little bit about the show or initially, but that's something where I, I will do more of that and just do a better job making sure they're kind of prepared for the episode, even with an, an email beforehand. And lastly, the last year of podcasting has been such a fun experience. Thank you for listening and checking it out. And I will plan on doing it for many, many years, kind of moving forward and interviewing more and more people. And it's something I've enjoyed so much that I, I would do it regardless of any other monetary or any other benefit from it. And thanks again for listening. I will see you in the next episode.